0: So I'm Adam Ramsden. I'm the Group Managing Director for Arley Group. We're a collection of leisure businesses, part of the Eurocar Parts Group, which in turn is part of LKQ. Um, so we're, we're in effect we're the leisure division of LKQ, which is a, a large multinational, primarily in the automotive parts supply. Um, business, but we are, as mentioned, the, the leisure arm of that, and I, I run that division.
1: You've got a, quite a wide, encompassing role there.
0: Uh, yes, um, so the the primary business is uh, automotive, as mentioned, but the leisure division um, was acquired in uh, 2016, and uh, some business at the time was was Arley, Um and went on to make two subsequent acquisitions of two marine businesses, uh, which will be known to people in the industry, Aquifax and ASAP supplies. The first of those ASAP supplies in 2017 and then Aquifax in 2018. So my role within the business is uh, ultimately managing the, the, the leisure and the growth of our leisure segment, um, looking at new mergers, acquisitions, opportunities or European expansion through our own group. So whilst at the moment we're 95% of our businesses is uh, is UK based, we of course have plans to develop beyond our borders and into Europe. Um, Running it is uh, partly um, managing the the business itself but obviously liaising with group and ensuring that we align with the overall group objectives but we're we're very well supported. Leisure is viewed as quite attractive for the investors in the, the business so uh, it will certainly be part of the future of LKQ Group.
1: Okay, so you're you're very involved in a lot of markets, but um, specifically the marine industry. How do you find it at the moment? What what are your thoughts on the marine industry at the moment? <laughs>
0: um, the marine is it's really important to us in the UK. The, the leisure business, our group in the UK is uh, is around sixty million this year. Um, that would be our best year on record. We're about 50% for the um, for the of uh, marine business. So 50-50 marine and non-marine. The non-marine part is holiday homes and parts and spares for that business. And also RV uh, motorhome equipment, where again, um, that's been a, a growth segment in the UK um, this year. So the marine business is very important for us. It's half of what we do. Um, I came into Marine in 2008, which was uh, interesting timing, to say the least. Um, as you know, we'd just been through the, went into the crash. Actually, I joined shortly before um, coming out of automotive and race car, which was my first uh, business for 11 years. Um, obviously, the, the industry at that time was in a very difficult position. Um, but we recovered. Um not only as a business, but also as a as an industry. Um, and certainly, since then, I've seen some big changes. Um, yeah, the industry has continued to grow. Um, back, firstly, back to pre two thousand eight levels, and subsequently beyond those levels. Um, it's become more professional. Um, we've seen certainly improvements in quality, uh, safety, and. Use of electronics, um, pilot assistance, similar to driver assistance in the vehicle market. So, they're generic trends in many industries, but we've certainly seen that in the marine industry. Um, I, I think looking forward, we're going to see several changes. You know, green, um, sustainability is going to be a driver of change, necessarily responding to um, uh, pressure from the market and also changes in fuel supply and cost. Um, Again, that's following general trends in many industries and um yeah so uh, if you like i can talk about sector by sector and what we see in, in the, the markets in which we operate
1: yeah that that sounds great because you're you know as we've said involved in a lot of different sectors um so yeah t- talk to me about the, the different sectors and-
0: okay the uh, our business is very interesting we we're in professional marine and for that, we mean small professional marine, so we're not dealing with cruise ships, uh, although previously I, I have experience in that sector. But um, as a business, we focus on small professional craft, offshore leisure and inland waterways, canal boats. Um, professional markets really interesting. We, we've we seen, I mean, we supply fishing, that's been a market of fishing boats, that's been a market that's been very much challenged. Um, also, small... Military, professional, police craft, um, and that's the sector that uh, is, is contract-driven. Can be very good when you're on the right side of one of those contracts and um, and stable. Um, there's also the offshore energy market, which is really driving offshore wind farm ves- uh, support vessels and um, uh, tidal and wave support vessels. So that's been a real driver for. The southwest and on the the east side of the country where we've seen uh, big growth in the professional market there the um i mean offshore wind for example they they there's a commitment from the government to power every home cleanly by 2030 now i'm not sure whether that's achievable but in in wind power terms that's one turbine every weekday for the next decade um multi-billion pound investments going on behind that to try and drive that so we obviously that requires service vessels to support it um in wave power and tidal power it's estimated that the UK has about 50 percent of the European tidal capacity um so it can be a, a complete pain as you know as a, as a boater and a sailor um the amount of tides that we have here and the strength of those tides but the in energy terms it's fantastic for the UK and we're, we're really looking to take a lead on that so that's really helping to drive uh, professional.
1: Tell me more about the, the leisure sector, the inland waterways, the uh, the yachts, the motorboats, how you're involved in that and how you see the future
0: going for those. Um, inland waterways yeah there's a couple of dynamics there, The um, we've seen an increase in usage so the Canal and River Trust has reported that Uh, Lockages are up versus 2019, so we've seen 2020 was obviously a difficult year, but um, there's an increase in usage this year, um, high single digit percentage, so that means more people are using um, their boats, either buying them, using them, renting them, Um, and of course that's sort of linked to the UK holiday market where people have taken a renewed interest in UK holidays and, and canal boats. Um, secondary is the price of houses. So house prices have become unaffordably expensive for many and um, liverboards are, are an option. Um, Pro Marine Finance Company reported a 40% increase in finance deals on canal boats. And so we're seeing more boats being built and, and, and increased boat usage. So I think the inland waterways market is, is good. Um, we really, the majority of our business though is in, is in offshore leisure. Um, I think for some time there's been a concern as you know it's been a, an ongoing topic that we've had a, we've talked about this many times at Southampton Boat Show and other shows um, That there's a concern about the the age of our customers that it's not being replaced um, there, there's you know a, a diminishing interest in marine um, and that the younger generation have more uh, other interests um, but I think the marine markets responded really well to that um uk last year there were over 4 million people participated in some form of water activity or sport and i think what we're seeing uh, and I, I know you you live in bricks and i live close to pool if you go out on uh, any sunny day you'll see multiple different craft whizzing around whether it's paddleboard jet skis ribs small tenders and um, dinghy sailing i think that what i'm seeing is that there's a real there are many, many ways to enter the market. So you don't have to go and uh, become a professional sailor. You don't have to know how to handle a, a boat with a 100 horsepower engine on. You can come in at an entry level and gradually build up. And I, I know that progression was always there, but I think people are seeing it now. So they start possibly with a paddleboard, then think about a tender or a, a little dinghy um, and maybe move up to a larger rib and, and, and so on. And I think if you're sailing, there are certain The RYA have done a really good job, and British Marine, on on, um, pushing sailing and sailing programs and getting people interested at ground level. So that future generation of sailors um, will also come through alongside people that like to push around in motorboats. So I'm pretty optimistic about the future. Um, It's a couple of good dynamics. The uh, rules regarding towing and trailers have made it easier to trailer a boat. Um, i think after 1997 now you you can pull a you can pull a trailer um, and that reduces your mooring or storage costs um and then the recent lockdown has brought people into the industry who might not otherwise have come in and uk holidays of course increased so again that drives activity in, in the marine segment so we're, we're pretty optimistic about the overall future we've seen that reflected in our In our headline sales, but also in the amount of interest in the marine industry so Southampton Boat Show is testament to that, as as you know, it was a really good show.
1: Very much so yeah. So I was going to ask you more about the distribution side and what part distributors have in um, the marine industry and in hoping to continue the growth of the marine industry, how how do you see that going, how do you see uh, distributors, their, their role and their future in all of this?
0: distributors obviously have a key role i think the traditional focus the customer was always there but the focus was more on stocking efficiency having the product getting the product out more and more we've we've had to focus speaking about our own business on what the customer needs when they need it how to get it to them what mix of products they want um you know, the customer ultimately has has become, I wouldn't say more demanding. That's not fair. They just have bigger expectations, uh, and rightly so. Um, and we recognize ourselves, you know, our expectation now is to order something and have that the following day or the day after. You know, we're we're much less um patient with regards to to the service and our service expectations. Um we've seen some consolidation, of course, um and We've seen bigger groups, whether they're manufacturer groups like ASG, Brunswick um, or Dometic. And in Europe, the the continued growth of Alliance Marine. Um, and of course, our own group where, as mentioned, we, we made two marine acquisitions in 17 and 18 and just recently completed on a transaction in the USA um, to buy seawide marine distribution in um, Marietta, California. So we, we've increased our global footprint in marine as well so we are we're seeing that what do what the big distributors do I mean it it ultimately should give you better scale better um, buying efficiency and if done correctly it allows you to offer a wider portfolio of products through multiple channels um, sometimes there's a geographical or territorial element to it to cover more more territories but for us our focus is very much on the UK at this point in time.
1: Um, So you you, you talked about um, uh, customers previously and wanting goods. So how does that work with um, stock levels, for example? You must have to have quite a lot of stock. So does that uh, also have anything to do with the, uh, perhaps the size of um, a distributor and how they're able to cope with all of that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, every expectation is higher than it used to be, and our job as distributors and retailers is to to meet it through um, through a number of different channels and platforms. So, um, firstly, if you talk about omni-channel, you, you need to be able to offer counter sales, possibly click and collect, drop ship, online ordering, telephone ordering. You need to be able to respond to the customer uh, and serve their order in the way that they want to do that and that can be through face-to-face telephone can be a fo- telephone app or through their through their laptop um, you talk about speed of delivery and availability our our personal aim is we we aim to deliver 98 percent of orders um, from stock so we have a very high expectation on availability um, and as a larger distributor we're well-funded, so one of the uh, advantages of our scale is that we are able to hold a larger amount of stock, we have large warehouse um, uh, availability, we have um, cash, and we're able to forecast um, more accurately across a range of products. So we do very well on availability, and then on speed of of delivery, we have um, multiple channels that we use. We use, in some cases, our own fleet, Um, in other cases, we we have a multiple of third party logistics companies that support us, six in total um, across the group um, because they serve different needs. And we have a a range of different products. So depending on the size of the product um, the speed with which it needs to be delivered, um, we we have different means of delivery. But generally, we're looking at next day service to uh, the great majority of the country. Um, Again, I I think scale helps us with that. and on both sides, we we're seeing digital driving those changes. So improvements in digital uh, is allowing us to, for example, track orders. Now this is a new uh, service that we introduced, so that customers can not only see what they're ordering, have been for some time to be able to see live stock, so they can sign into their account and see what we are, see what we have in stock um, and know that it's there. Subsequently, once the order is shipped, they can track it uh, and know when it's going to be delivered to them. And this is all made available by um, systems that we've introduced in the last eighteen months.
1: It's quite an investment in uh, web platforms, portals, as you say, digital.
0: Yeah, it's uh, one of our our biggest areas of spend, along with trade shows. Um, digital actually out outspent um, trade shows in 2020, which is is no great surprise. Our trade show spend was very much reduced in 2020, but digital and investment in digital will again outspend our investment in trade shows in 2021. And again, we're forecast to increase that delta again in 2022. So our investment in digital continues to be our largest area of spend.
1: That so shows the importance um, of it, of having, having it all up to speed.
0: Yeah, it does. We One of the, the, the reasons we can achieve such high availability is because we bring everything onto the same platform. So once the businesses were acquired, there was a drive to get everybody onto the same ERP, um, allowing us our enterprise resource planning, allowing us to be able to look across the group, manage stock across the group, um, consolidate inventory and be able to pick something from one location and, uh, and move to another. Um, so that in itself is, is quite a task to move uh, different businesses onto the same platform to get all the systems in line so everybody is working to the same um, uh, on the same website platform. But once those battles have been fought and we've um, got everything onto the same system, it really gives us advantages of digital scale. And we've seen that now Uh, the last tracking we did in our last quarter, 54% of our sales came through digital ordering. So the great majority, the the remainder being telephone orders Mm -hmm. over the counter sales through our branches and um, emails and emails received with orders on them. But the, the great majority, 54% is a huge figure coming through our digital platform. So that's customers logging in placing an order and that digitally moves straight through our system and places yeah. the order for them.
1: You talked about a lot of subjects. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts on the future of chandlers, uh, brick, bricks and mortar chandlers? Do they still have a role to play?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, I, I was at Southampton Boat Show talking with a, a friend of mine about this subject um, and, and I challenged him to say, will they be gone in five years, 10 years? And his reaction was, was very strong that, um, that there is a role for them, and uh, w- with which I agree. Um, the reason I asked, we have three trade only outlets uh, for Aquifax and, and three retail shops through Midland Chandlers within our own group. So obviously it's very relevant to me whether those are, are going to continue to be used. Um, if anything, during lockdown, we saw we saw as much as we were allowed to trade. When we were allowed to trade, people really coming to those shops and using them. Um, so whilst you might expect to move to digital, people used digital when they had to, but were very keen to come back to the shops. So it indicates to me there's really important connection. Um, and I think particularly with technical products, quite often you need to go into the shop to understand it, to know that it's the right thing to use talk to somebody about that and and quite often it's not practical to send or you you just want to see the thing to see that it fits um i'm a cyclist and i there are certain things that i would only go to the bike shop to 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 do and use and buy um and similarly i think that's true that there will be certain products within chandleries that mean that they will always have a role there um for our trade and the aquifax business we've also seen the same that despite the great knowledge that our professional customers have, they do want to come in, collect the products sometimes, so they can go on their way, but also to talk about the products and make sure that they've got the right thing or understand something technical regarding or relating to the product. So um, what we're able to do for our for smaller chandleries, um is to offer that support to them. So our role here as a distributor is to make sure that we support our resell a in the right way so they can triple quadruple their stock holding or their virtual stock holding by offering the products that we have um, they can check through their own account and use our livestock facility to see that it's stock and then they're able to um, talk to that customer go through that with them see that it's in stock and they can effectively offer a much wider range um, than they could offer with the space limitations that they would normally have within there. Um, so that's a facility that we we order. And again, that comes back to the point of us having high availability and being able to deliver next day, sometimes following day. But it gives the, the retailer that confidence that we can supply to them. And similarly, where we supply the professionals, if they've got a job booked in, it's their livelihood. And they need to know that we can supply them yeah. with what they need, and they need it. So... That's, I think those, those physical outlets will, will never disappear.
1: I guess that's related to uh, buying power and economies of scale as well. If you've, uh, you know, you've got the setup, you're able to have the stock, then you can do the quick delivery.
0: Yeah, all those things tied together. So we're able to um, negotiate very good rates. We, we, we're, heavily, uh, we're heavy users of third-party logistics. We get a very good service. It allows us to negotiate later pickups, which means that somebody can order later in the day. Um, and we have a very good service because we're using multiple 3PL. We can deliver to a, a wide area of the country um, on the next day's service uh, across a very diverse range of products, um, six meter awnings in, in our RV business through to um, 20 litre tins of paint. And, um, Yes, it, it gives us that ability to ship diverse products.
1: So thank you, Adam. We, we've covered a lot of subjects, a huge amount of material there. So thank you so much for your time. It's very much appreciated. And I look forward to speaking to you again soon.
0: Okay, thanks Katina, Um, very nice of you to to invite us to talk about what we do in the the industry and um, yeah, really enjoyed chatting with you today. Lovely. Thanks
1: very much then.